Blog Talk Radio. Good snowy. Good snowy. We're not getting a lot of snow laying on the ground here, but I think it was snowing last Saturday when I did off the shelf. But good snowy Saturday morning uh, in Philadelphia anyway. Uh, and welcome to Blog Talk Radios and to Blake Radios because we also air on Blake Radio off the shelf for this Saturday February 11th, a Saturday before Valentine's Day, and it's what a fitting, fitting episode, uh, 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 show we have here for you today, being that Valentine's Day is coming up shortly. We want to thank you again for joining us here on Off the Shelf, and I, I so enjoy having each of you here when I hear from you and see you guys in the chat room or when I'm out and about, and you guys let me know how much you enjoy our shows. For those who are tuning in for the first time, I would like to introduce myself. I'm your host, Denise Turney, and as I always tell you, I'm coming to you live from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. We are headed for eight years on the air. Oh, my goodness. I encourage you not to let one more day pass before you pick up a copy of Long Walk Up. And that is my latest book. My new book will be out in just a few days. But until then, my latest on the market is Long Walk Up. It's a very inspirational book about a little girl who's orphaned in East Africa after her mother passes from malaria and the struggles and the challenges she goes through. And it's this, these events actually happened to actual children and parts of different parts of the world. And she goes on her destiny, what guides her, what keeps her moving. You would have to read the book to find out. She is not alone. And you have to read the book to find out what is with her, what keeps encouraging and, and, and inspiring her. And it's not what you probably think. And she goes on and steps into her marvelous, marvelous destiny, which the actual event that happened to her in the book, after it was published, I discovered it happened in Africa's history for the first time. And you have to read Long Walk Up to find out what those two events are. And you can get a copy of Long Walk Up at www.chistel.com, C-H-I-S-T-E-L-L.com. Again, that's C-H-I-S-T-E-L-L.com. Or you can get it from any bookstore, online or offline. It's an ebook, and it's in print form. If you don't see it on the shelf, just ask the clerk for it because they can get it for you because it's carried by the largest book distributors in the world. And look out for my new book, Love Pour Over Me. I'll let you guys know as soon as it comes out. And I'm very, very excited about that. And now we want to go and meet a very special Authentic Shelf guest. Not only is she a special guest here today who's been with us here before, but also She's on the road attending a very special event. <laughs> and our special guest today is Pat Simmons. She is an avid genealogist. And you, if you read her stories, as she was so kind to send me a, re, uh, 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 like a review copy of her latest book, Guilty by Association, The Continuation of the Jameson Legacy. I could see her her uh, where she puts her genealogy into her writing. She's also the author of the books Guilty of Love. She has her Guilty series and her dress If I Should Die Before I Wake and Talk to Me, just to name a few. She's a prolific, very talented, highly skilled author, and she would absolutely love it if you went online right now and visited her at www.patsimmons.net, and that's P A T. S-I-M-M-O-N-S dot net, patsimmons.net. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Pat. Thank you so much, Denise. It's such an honor to be with you again. And here you are on the road and and busy even signing your books and taking time out to to visit with us here on Off the Shelf. So we appreciate you and welcome you back again. It's always a pleasure to have you here with us. As I was saying during the introduction of Off the Shelf, and I didn't set this up this way. This happened with our newsletter where we're featuring Frances Ray, who's a best-selling a best-selling romance novelist. That issue will go out tomorrow. And I said, you know, it's just odd. I did not plan it this way. But Valentine's Day is, of course, Tuesday, February the 14th. Right. I said, for who, who's on off the shelf a romance writer? Who's on in the newsletter a romance writer? It just it 
honestly to our listeners, I didn't, I didn't, that wasn't on my part. I didn't consciously do that. That just happened that way. But this is a time of year when, yes, this is a time of year when people stop. And I always think about during the holidays and like Thanksgiving and Christmas and other holidays that we have that people celebrate. I think it's so good to do that Father's Day, Mother's Day, to take that time out to express to real, to let people know express what, how we love them, how we appreciate them, how we care for them, and to actually get with people and be with people. If you're far away from them, you take make the time to make a phone call, but to do something special for a person, whether it's sending a card, we need that because we get so busy that sometimes we just don't stop to let people know just how much they mean to us. And th- until they're gone, then then we do it all the time, but. It, this is that time of year when we focus, we stop to focus again on romantic relationships. And perhaps if the relationship's gotten stagnant, then seeking new ways to express our affection toward the people that we have romantic feelings towards. I wanted to ask you, how is your book, and I have read some of some of it, but our listeners haven't, how is your new book, Guilty by Association, How is it going to help people remember the value of love? And before you go on, I don't know if you're able to, but I wanted to ask you if you read an excerpt from Guilty by Association, if you could let it. If not, I I, I can read one. But are you able to do that? Well, actually, uh, I'm in a bowling alley, and I'm I'm, uh, (laughs) holed out in the executive offices upstairs. If I go downstairs to grab a copy of my book, they will hear bowling pins. There's over 40 okay. lanes downstairs, so but I, I can give you. you a synopsis. But you have a copy, so you can read I whatever do. part you remember um, uh, in the book. Okay, okay, I'll I'll read that for our listeners. But just to, as a first question, how how is guilty by association going to help people remember the value of love? Well, all my books have an element of romance. I don't exactly follow um, the romance formula because it usually starts off with uh, heroine, uh, boy meets girl, boy and girl falls in love, they break up, and then they get back together. In the Jameson series, what I try to do is to put emphasis on the strong black man, the strong black family, and it's always about their love, their love interest. So I always focus on the men because people never talk about the good men. They, it's so mm-hmm. easy to talk about the men that have fallen astray, but it's the good men that people forget about, and to the point that they don't think that there's those type out there for them. But the romance element, it's because of love that has drawn us uh, to Christ, because it is Christian fiction. And mm-hmm. once you realize the, the love that Christ has, it's so easy to fall in love with other people. And that's what the readers have done. They've actually Falling in love with the Jameson men. You know, we mentioned Valentine's Day. Uh, one of the characters that ministers to my angry black man, Kid Jameson, is Mrs. Valentine. Okay. And she, yeah. She's, and she'll let you know she's full of love. And how she ministers to the angry uh, character in the book is that she goes all the way back to instances in slavery and how they survived. And she mm-hmm. brings him up to the scriptures and how God delivers and how how God can deliver his name. And so when I was doing my research, um, I was in the Mississippi 1860 morbidity book, and I just wow. wanted to see if I saw any of my relatives' names. And so mm-hmm. basically what it does, it shows, you, it shows you their first name, their last name, the county in Mississippi where they lived, what they died of, and how many years, months, and dates they were up until their death. And so mm-hmm. I'm flipping through the book. I, I get to the last name in, and I'm blown away. Because if you did not have the slaveholder's name when you died, you were given a name. Now, remember I, I told you how detailed they were, the county, the years, the months, the dates. But if you did not have the slaveholder's name, then you were given the name Negro. So from Ann Negro to Ben, wow. Michael, all the way to Z to Zachary, that was your name. So then, you know, all all the individuality that you possess is lost with the name wow. when you're buried. 
And so my character is angry because his father didn't marry his mother but insisted on having the Jameson name. And Mrs. Valentine lets him know it's not the name that makes you, it's the man that you become, that defines you. And it's just by the love of his family, because he's a 10th generation descendant of a royal African tribe, but that means nothing to him. He does not like his name. And so she begins to minister to him and, and to let him know that you defined your name. Your name could be Negro versus Jameson. You defined your name. And so it's with the patience and the love of Eva Savoy that he begins to heal those deep wounds and she begins to show him that even though these African Americans were enslaved, there were white people that loved God, that were able to hide us under the Underground Railroad and to stand up and be willing to be jailed and to find, to do what was right. And that's love. Mm-hmm. And so he is it, his heart his hardness of his heart is eventually healed when he realizes mm. it's not the world against him, that there are people that love him, his family, the love interest, you know. And so love is the basis of, of anything that's peaceful in our life is because we love and respect people. Yes, yes. Before we go any further, I wanted to read for our listeners and the, and the part that I'm going to read so they can understand some of the questions that I'm going to be asking is coming from the prologue. And the, and the scene is set in uh, Boston, Massachusetts. And it starts, he called again, Sandra Nicholson told her son, Kevin Kidd Jameson, as soon as his commanding figure cleared the doorway of their Hyde Park condo. Grunting, he shut the door. Kid's nostrils flared as he swaggered across the hardwood floor. The persistent caller claimed to be Cameron Jameson, a distant cousin who had tracked down Kid and his younger brother, Aaron Ace Jameson, through some genealogy nonsense. In one of his frequent attempts to reach Kid, Cameron mentioned to Sandra that he was completing his second engineering degree at Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Ever since his so-called relative's first attempt to call, Kid wondered if the whole thing was a prank. After all, in the black community, Everybody claimed to be a cousin. I told the man we weren't interested in whatever he was selling, Kid spewed, before brushing a tender kiss on his mother's cheek. Fighting hunger pains, he headed to the kitchen. Kevin Jameson, she snapped following him. Whenever she felt the need to scold her grown-up son, she called him by his given name. Then planting her hands on on her hip, she noted, he isn't peddling goods. He represents your father's side of the family. Maybe the good part. At least fill him out. Family, huh? More like. Kid didn't finish the thought. Okay, I'll put an end to this once and for all. You have his number? Kid didn't need this added frustration. He was the older of two sons, born to a never-been-married mother. He found no fault with her, just his absentee father. Kid's priority was, no matter what, to take care of his mother. That charge had become a little harder after he was laid off from the Gillette Corporation, a job he labored at for 11 years. The unfortunate turn of events also forced him to give up his apartment. His mother tore off a sheet of paper and handed it to Kid. Studying the number, he punched in the digits and leaned against the granite countertop. Hello? Music blared in the background. Assuming it was Cameron who answered, he didn't waste his words on preliminaries. Let's meet. And Cameron didn't play dumb. That earned him a point of respect. Kid heard him muffle the phone. Hey, it's my, it's my cuz. Turn it down. Then repeating his order, he added, Lord. Kid grunted, cuz. The man didn't know him, yet he claimed him anyway. That seemed odd, considering his worthless father had turned his back on him and his younger brother. I'm ready whenever you are. Now, Kid demanded. Let the man come on his turf. Cameron didn't stutter or skip a beat. You name the place, and I'm there. Kid did and disconnected. You could have invited him here, honey. He's very polite when he calls. Not rude like you. Just treated, just treated him. Just make him a sh- don't make him ashamed, kid. Shaking his head, kid washed his hands in the sink and dried them on a paper towel. Grabbing a plate out of the cabinet, he explained to his mother, "He may have our number, but he doesn't need to know where we live." Seemingly without a care in the world, he began lifting lids and peering into pots. Mmm, sweet potatoes and collard greens. Thanks, ma. Sandra sat at the table, folded her hands, and then cleared her throat. How long do you plan to make him wait, kid? 
She didn't mask her irritation with him. He's interrupting my dinner plans, and I'm hungry. Job hunting isn't what it was when I finished junior college, I'm, and I'm actually going to stop right there. I think this, the the scene with um, with Cameron, where you introduce him from the beginning, this mysterious character from his father's side, and he, as you you already alluded to, he doesn't like his father because he didn't marry his mother. And then if you keep reading the story, and I don't want to give it away for our listeners you find out some of the reasons why he doesn't like his mother, beyond the fact that he never married her. But uh, here's this mysterious character from the side of the family he already doesn't care for him right off the bat coming into his life. And if you if you keep reading it, reading it, you'll start to – he's a character that will make you keep reading and wonder what is going to happen between Cameron and Kevin and what is he going to pull him into. That – I mean, that – I read that because as soon as I read that, when I got the book, that's the first question that popped into my head. And that's the first thing that made me want to keep reading to find out what's going to Now, there are other characters that come along in the book to our listeners that you'll want to know how those relationships develop as well as we you continue reading. But just to give the li- the listeners that before I go on and ask some of the questions what they can understand, I wanted to ask you to start, and this was something else that came up to me when I read um, Get Deep by Association. Why does Kid... Why does he feel it's his responsibility to take care of his mother when he also has a brother, and she also is very capable of taking care of herself? And I also want to ask you if his mother worked. Well, yes, his mother works, but you know also in the black community where there's the absence or we have the absentee fathers, I think a lot of mothers put the pressure or pass the torch onto their younger sons and say, you're going to be the man of the house now. And so we we put that added pressure on them, and we don't allow them to be the boy, to be the teenager, to be the the young man. And so that that creates a burden for them. But I don't think our young boys mind. But, you know, we're talking about um, a young boy that grew up who knew his responsibility was to take care of his mother and father. And that happens. You know, that happens Mm -hmm. in our community where, you know, our children, especially the males, then they drop out of school to work to help their mother put food on the table. Um, we just, you, you know, the whole premise was to get to the root where the genealogy comes in, to get to the root of why he's so angry. And, you know, a person just doesn't get angry by the drop of a pen. Usually it's a buildup. So, you know, mm-hmm. now we're talking about he feels cheated because he came into this world and he already saw that he doesn't have something maybe his classmates have, which is a father. So already he's cheated. He doesn't have a father. And then mm-hmm. as he grows up, he can't do some of the other things his teenage friends are doing because, you know, he feels responsible that, yeah, his father, you know, uh, cheated his mother, but he's not going to treat his mother. He's going to take care of his mother because that's his mom. His mom, you know, stopped by him through thick and thin. You know, he bought his mother that condo when he was able to work, so he's trying to make up from what his father didn't do, and then here comes his younger brother, so he's trying to be a father as well as a big brother to his younger brother. So he's a serious young man. And so, mm-hmm. you know, just one layer upon one layer, and he's tough. He's the bad boy from Boston in comparison to his cousin, uh, Park Jameson the sixth in St. Louis. They're completely opposite. They're strong-willed. One has Christ in their life and the other one doesn't. So one's mellow, the other one is just angry. And so Kid is my favorite person because I was able to write about his transformation, you know, from the angriness into where he finds peace and love. And so that was really good when you watch people grow. You know, even as a baby and they grow up to be doctors or you see someone that's on drugs and they turn themselves around, you know, and they become an engineer. There's, there's nothing more heartwarming or loving than to see transformation. And so that's that's why I like his character. Okay. I wanted to ask you um, about Eva. And mm-hmm. I, I, was, I was tempted to read a little bit about her for our listeners, but I wanted to ask you about her. They meet. When, of course, as we've already said, uh, Kid has been laid off uh, from the Gillette Corporation where he worked for several years, and now he's uh, 
he had to give up his his own apartment and he's moved in with his mother, a, a woman he's taken care of for years. Or she, although she works, but like you said, he feels responsible to do this. Eva Eva seems to me independent and sure of herself. And I wanted to ask, what's going on in her life when kids starts working at the center where she's already working? Well, she's the one that was the advocate. She is a passionate person for the elderly. She is in school to become a RN. She has her LPN, and she's in the study of geriatrics, which is, you know, um, our adult or our aging population. And she just thinks they have so much wisdom, like Mrs. Valentine. She loves to hear their stories. She thinks that we can learn something from them and that we can skip out on mistakes just by listening to them talk about their mistakes. So she's Mm -hmm. very passionate. And she's an advocate for them. And she suggested a position uh, for a uh, resident liaison. And so, you know, she kept asking and asking. And then all of a sudden, over the weekend, they hire someone, which is really kid, and he's there, you know, undercover, doesn't want to be there. And she watches him, as far as she's concerned, disrespect these elderly people. And you have to get it from his side because he's not going to be disrespected, you know, from these elderly people from the old time that want to call him boy and stuff like that. You just don't call kid that. He's not going to take mm-hmm. it. And so she doesn't know him, and she's just going from the outside. She can't look in, and she's just she's mad. Um, you know, an uh, um, uh, older man in the nursing home thought he was the boy to come help him use the bathroom. And, you know, he gets mad, and he tells the man, well, you know, wipe yourself or whatever, whatever I wrote, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, Eva happens upon that conversation, and she's appalled. I can't believe you said that. And then he's like, clean up. I'll, okay, oh, hey, you know, like he's in Kmart or something. Yeah. But <laughs> she, she's fascinated. By, she She's wondering, why is he here? Evidently, he doesn't like the older population, so why yeah. is he here? And mm. she starts to watch him, and so she just thinks he's a thug in a suit. But he's so much more than that. And when she is studying for a final, she's struggling through these terms, and she's out on the um, nursing facility campus, and she's praying, and she's crying, and she's like, Lord, help me. And here comes mm-hmm. kid. And she's like, she, her eyes are closed, and she's like, I am so humiliated. You know, someone has, has seen me. Because she's a real cheery, encouraging person, and this is her, I don't want to say darkest hour, but this is a down period for her. And, you know, he's, you know, really shows her no no mercy. Come on, you look terrible. Here, wipe your face, you know. Mm-hmm. And he um, takes her, her um, medical terminology book, and she's like, you wouldn't understand. He's like, yeah. He starts to flip pages, and he starts to quiz her. And okay. then she realizes, well, wait a minute. When she gets an answer that's not to his satisfaction, he makes her go deeper, and he's like, she's like, well, maybe he's more than what, I'm thinking he is. Here's this man that doesn't like the elderly, but yet he knows his medical terms and is quizzing her. And so she begins to gain respect when she takes the time to look beyond that um, that wall that he has built up, that angry wall. And so, you know, a lot of times we judge people on the cover, but if we take time, you know, we'll find that there's something in them that we'll like. I mean, even the Bible says, can't quote the scripture now. It's in one of the Gospels where, you know, even the enemies have somebody to love. So if we can, you know, if we can love our friends, that means nothing. But if we can love our enemies, that that's really showing something because it's easy for you to love your parents or your child or your sibling, but it's the one that gives you such a hard time. Try to love them. That's the true mm-hmm. Christianity. You know, it's loving someone that is just, as far as you're concerned, not worthy of your love. But I have made a lot of friends over the years through adversity by just trying to become their friends, trying to love them, just just really trying until the friendship became genuine, you I know. And, go ahead. I wanted to read just a little bit more for our listeners just to give them a, a little bit more of the story. We already know about Cameron and Eva and, and, and these relationships. You do such a, a wonderful job. Your characters are so well-developed, and 
fleshed out the the the, the contrast, the conflicts that they go in that we go through that we all do. And and this this that I'm this little bit I'd like to read, uh, with your permission, uh and it's it's only gonna be a couple of paragraphs, just to get a reader a little bit more background uh to the story and it's is around Eva and kids relationship. There's another part of the story that's gonna intrigue you. Pat has so much going on in Guilty by Association and you're such a talented writer, I highly recommend it. The the, the the characters none of them are simple and if you if as you read them and some of the things they're struggling with and how their own internal struggles and then how they come together and they they have even struggles with relating to each other, it helps to keep the story moving forward. But this is a question I wanted to ask you before I did. I just wanted to read this a little bit. And it, it begins, Eva's heart fluttered that he remembered something important to her. I only missed I only missed three. He, her excitement erupted again. Yay! He stopped what he was doing and turned her away, wearing a smirk. Congratulations, Mr. Boy. He gave her a high five. You made me proud, girl. His eyes danced with merriment. The man has so many personalities. The intensity of them all scared her. She loved it when he smiled, though. They always seemed genuine. On the downside, his anger was raw. What had sparked it earlier? I haven't been this happy since Jesus washed my sins away. Eva didn't let this blank expression, his blank expression stop her. I needed to score high on this last quiz before the final. Then if I do the mediocre on the final, I'll still average a low B, but it's still a B. So we'll have to make sure that happens. Can't have you missing your calling. Mommies and nurses know how to kiss it and make it feel better. Their eyes locked, and Eva didn't know if the man was flirting with her or not. If so, why did it thrill her so when kid wasn't her type? And then I'm going on to the beginning of Chapter 15. It says, Eva excited kid. He craved her smile in the mornings. There was something about her passion that he wanted to capture and emulate. His desire to touch her lips hadn't diminished, even when those very sweet lips were hurling bitter comments about his character. She was beautiful when she was angry. He cataloged her features. She was pretty, not drop-dead gorgeous. But then again, who could surmise that dressed in those nondescript scrubs? He wanted to take her out and see how long they would last before they disagreed about something. Kid needed to set that will in motion. I I wanted to ask you, now both of them, why are they afraid? to reveal their true feelings for each other. Why are they afraid? I mean, it, it goes on and on. Why are they afraid to, to let each other know how they feel? Well, I just think that's, you know, the chemistry of a male and female, especially with kid. He has been a strong, tough guy, you know. His cousins in St. Louis referred to them as the bad boys from Boston. He doesn't want to show any type of weakness. So for him to... Um, show his true side, he may feel that he's compromised his reputation, per se. So he doesn't really want to do that. He doesn't want to expose himself to anybody. It's not necessarily her. He doesn't want to expose himself to his cousins in St. Louis or to anybody. He's not even sure if his mother understands the complexity of his attitude. And then with women, with, with Eva, we don't want to be hurt. So we don't want to fall for the wrong guy. Everything about him was wrong, everything. She enjoyed older people. He couldn't stand older people. He, She was happy-and-go-lucky. He was always, you know, frowning. Um, she gave God the glory for the things she had in her, um, her life. He was like, eh, you know, so they were complete opposites. So, you know, sometimes when you're with a complete opposite, either you're going to pull them up or they're going to drag you down. And she was concerned about him dragging her down because um, I know you've read the book, but it seemed like every time they were together, she acted ugly. She acted like someone she did not want to 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 act like. She was she was mm-hmm. friendly, she was nice, but with him, she argued, and so it was like guilty by association. He was just dropping his his little seeds of uh, discontentment and and um, you know. Um, just discontentment and and just stirring up stuff every time she was with him. And she didn't like the way she acted around him. It was always a challenge. It was always butting heads. And she didn't like she herself also, like that. She could also be putting up a, a like a, a wall 
so she doesn't really have to deal with what she's feeling under the surface. She oh, she definitely. could, you know, because we, cause we do that too. Sometimes we right. are really mean and cold toward people and we think we don't like the person. But deep down under the surface, there's a different feeling really there and we don't right. want to face it. And I right. wanted to ask you, how does kid, considering his lifestyle, how does he keep from repeating what his father's already done? How does he keep from becoming a father before he's married? How does well, he pull that know, off? One, one thing about a bad person, there's always good qualities. And mm-hmm. because he saw what his mother went through, now we're talking about a very beautiful young woman. She's in her 50s, so she is definitely not gray hair and old. She's beautiful, you know, mm-hmm. surprisingly raising two uh, blockhead boys. But... Um, he is determined not to be like his father by not having children without the benefit of marriage. And considering he has no plans to be married soon, he doesn't plan to have any children. So where other men are bed hopping, that's not his style. He's too angry for that. He is just determined not to bring children into the world to repeat a cycle of what he's done. And Ace, the book that comes out in June, he's a total opposite of a kid, he feels that his ah. motto is responsibility is optional. You know, and he just said after his dad. So kid, even though he has issues, one thing he will not do is bring uh, children into the world without the benefit of marriage. And at this point of his life, marriage is, is, is not even in his uh, plan. So that's how he uh, strives to become different from his father. He wants to be a better man. And he's trying to really, I mean, at 31 years old, he's, he's trying to find his way. We always think that people are okay uh, with whatever they overcome in our childhood. Yeah, right. Uh, mm-hmm. my, my mother and father separated when I was in grade school, but I don't care mm-hmm. what you say, a daughter always needs her father. She always mm-hmm. needs daddy. Whether she's 7 or 27, she always needs that dad. Uh, mm-hmm. A son always needs mother. They always need that nurturing. That's how they learn to care. If you pay attention in the Bible, uh, it says, husbands love your wife. It didn't tell the wives to love their husbands. And if you really pay attention to that, why does God have to tell a man to love your wife? You asked the woman to marry you, and now he has to tell you to love her? I mean, if you really pay attention to that scripture, that just tells you the makeup of a man. That mm. he has nurtured and a woman is the one that nurtures a man to teach you know if a man can love his mother and his sisters then he learns how to love his wife and that's Mm -hmm. like a constant thing so children do need they need their you know they need both parents they need to know that their parents love them and so even when they grow up they still need that they still feel cheated um Mm -hmm. And praise God for step-parents because step-parents can really step in and try yeah. to fill the gap as much as they can. But I good don't care what can. They're not all good, right. but good ones can. Oh, right, good ones, definitely good ones because you have some bad natural parents. Yes. But I, but I wanted to show, what I wanted to show in the book is just because you're grown and gone doesn't mean that you still don't need that parent. You still don't need that dad to talk to. You know, Dad, when you were at my age, what did you do? Or, Mom, you know, my wife isn't feeling good. What do you think I should do? You still need mm-hmm. some parents. And so that's what I wanted to convey in the book is that he had a right to be angry. He never got over it. Did he go on with his life? Yes. Did he have a good job? Yes. Did he take care of his mother? Yes. You know, was he respectful and not hit father any children? Yes. But he still needed that yeah. You know, and so I don't think we need to overlook that, is that children do need both their parents. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes they lose their parents, uh, you know, because they, they, their parents pass. You know, right. and some children lose both their parents young. Right. But that I think that is important because their parents pass, but I think that's important, especially when you think about the orphans in the world. Uh, mm-hmm. They need their parents too, and they their their parents are gone, gone, gone. So um, and they grow up, I, I, and they grow up so fast. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But it does it does impact us. We do need that support and that constant reminder that we're valued and loved. How much do you think children and mistresses? When I when I was started reading about Cameron and reading reading Guilty by Association, this also came out to me. How, how much do you think children and mistresses, particularly men who might be, be married, but they're stepping out on their wives and it doesn't bother them enough to stop, as long as they can get away with it. How how much do you think? Uh, children and mistresses have on a family as a whole, even even if the children from affairs, their their parent they know their a child knows my dad cheated on my mom, and he's got two or three other kids, and they may perhaps never meet those children. But what type of impact you think that has on a family as a whole? Well, the book that I'm writing now that comes out in October, kid actually meets his half half siblings. But, you know, uh, Elizabeth Dole was in an interview before she passed away last year, and I think she said it best when uh, her senator husband had the affair. And I, I applaud her for her frank comment. She she said of the, of the lady, I forgot her name, uh, I dare you interrupt something that I have invested in for years. There was no investment on your part. And I applaud her for that because someone mm-hmm. needs to tell these people, you didn't invest. only thing you're doing is taking away a union without investing. They're, you're not cleaning any dirty laundry. You're not, you know, preparing any meals. Mm-hmm. Um, but even Sandra, she has her story out there. I haven't written it. I, You know, I have a partial outline. But I was going to ask still, you that. That was one of my questions. Yeah, people, <laughs> right, people want, they want her story. But, yeah, you know, children, I was going to ask you. It's, it's not... They're here because God sent them here, regardless how they got here. Solomon was one of the richest and wisest men, and he was a result of an affair with Bathsheba. You know, David had Bathsheba's husband killed in the line of, of, of fire. God can, you know, God knows how to take a bad situation and turn it into good, and God could take those illegitimate children and make them become great men. You know, and you find that a lot of people that are great don't necessarily have the polished background. God can use mm-hmm. anybody. So just because they're illegitimate, I, I wanted to show my characters as still being worthy. Mm-hmm. You know, even in the book, um, her uh, kid asked her mother, his mother, and says, um, do you think that, you know, we're reaping the sins of the, of the mother? And, and she says, no, you, I'm not paying for, this, for my sins. Christ already paid for my sins that I've already mm-hmm. committed. He's paying for it. I don't think I'm getting paid back. It's just, you know, this is just life as a single mother mm-hmm. trying to raise it. Now, some women go after married men, and that's their judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be because they want to be loved, they look at it as a challenge. You know, I have been married for almost 29 years. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I have a good marriage, but it's by the grace of God. You know, mm-hmm. everything we have is just the grace of God. If God removes right. his presence from us, we, yes. could be that, we could be that drug dealer. We, You know, mm-hmm. always, we never know what we would be if it wasn't for God. And that's just, mm-hmm. we, we just don't know. And so two type of books I will never write, not from Pat Simmons, you will never see me write where a child, male or female, or a woman is violated. I, I can't write that. Um, mm. I know I know it's out there. I know it happens. And I know people write that to minister to people that have become victims. I have to mm-hmm. speak that. So everything has to be okay in my character's world. So I'm a, I'm, I guess you can say I'm a Cinderella writer. I have to have happy endings in my book. Um, I also will not write about infidelity. If your boyfriend cheats on them, you get rid of them. If your husband cheats, scripturally, you can get rid of them. But that's a little different. You know, uh, you have to take in consideration what happened, why it happened. You know, can you forgive? Can you get over it? That's a little bit more complicated. And I have an author friend who, who she writes about infidelity. And after I read her books, I was sick for a couple weeks. And I said, Nicole, why, why did you do that to me? Because I soak in stuff. I just, I don't know. I'm just passionate. I soak stuff in. So I have to write books that, will I make you laugh? Yes. 
Will I make you root mm-hmm. for the characters? Yes. Will you even cry? Yes. But one thing about Pat Simmons' books, people will always know I have a happy ending. I have to write like that, and and that's just my brand. That's just my trademark. Mm-hmm. But those two things, infidelity and violation, those are two things that won't write. You know, I can't write in my book. I, I can't stomach to write that. You you it's, you don't write about it in your story, but obviously, um, I mentioned Sam I Samuel Kidd's father. He got around. Right. He didn't have all right. his kids by not right. doing that. I wanted to ask right. you if Sandra had a favorite son, would it be Kid Ace or Aaron, and, and why? If she had a favorite well, son, Kevin's name is Kevin Jameson, and they believe that his father called him Kid. When he came around, he couldn't remember his son's name. That's what they believe. And so they just oh said, my kid, goodness. come here, kid, kid. And so with Aaron, his father was a gambler, and so he used to always call him Ace in the Hole. Give me a number. I'm going to go play this number. So that's how they got the nicknames um, Ace and Kid. By Ace being the youngest son, he gave his mother a heartache. And you're right, even though I don't deal with infidelity, I may touch on it to bring the subject out, but not not right about the affair, I guess. I, mm-hmm. Let me rephrase that. I will not necessarily go into details about the affair. But um, Ace, by the, being the younger son, would definitely, you know, gave her the most heartaches, you know, bailing her son out of jail and, you know, just, just heartaches. Mm-hmm. You know, we always have that child that just gives us heartaches and you're like, and you just don't know what to do. But I have two children, and when they turned 21, we took them out to dinner I told my son and I told my daughter, I said, I have raised you right. You get out there, you act a fool, get in trouble, that's on you. No boo-hoo on me. I'm not going to ask myself, where did I go wrong because I raised you right. You remember that. Okay. And so then huh? it, it got to be, we know, we know, you raised us <laughs> right. You know, but, I mean, but we have to, if you give your children the best and you're all in all, then you have to just when they when they act up, don't blame yourself. If you've done all you know how to do, right? Yeah, all you can mm-hmm. do. And I thought about you know Timothy McVeigh, the one that brought down the Oklahoma City building, and before he was put to death, his father met with him, and I just wondered what was on oh, his yeah. father's mind. You know, yeah. what could his father say, where did I go wrong? Is this the young man that I helped change diapers and brought right. up? What happened to make him do that? Those are some, you know, when our children go astray, we just have to trust God. Mm-hmm. We just have to trust God. Um, they will always be on our hearts. But I just don't believe parents beating themselves up and trying to say, okay, well, when he was seven, maybe I could have done that. When he was right. 15, you know, I mean, give it up to God. I mean, God gave you that child. Look, when they're 21, give them back. Okay, God, I did the best I can. He's yours. <laughs> you know, that's what you kind of have to do when you have children, you know, because they will give you heartaches. And I'll never forget, you know, when my son was 21, he was, you know, just not going the way I wanted him to go. And, you know, I was reading scriptures, and God had led me to a scripture about the lost sheep. Not the prodigal mm-hmm. son, but the lost sheep. And he reminded me and put emphasis on the 99. The 99 mm-hmm. was safe, but God wasn't waiting for the prodigal son to come back. He was actually going after that lost sheep. And God right. spoke to me. He says, I got him. Mm-hmm. And I was holding on to that. A couple months later, my son was in a horrific car accident. And guess Ooh. what? God had him, just like he yeah. told me he and so wow. now I'm trying to impress God by keeping my faith in God because he told me he had them. And so that's wow. what we have to do as parents is just trust God when he speaks to us concerning our children. And Sandra was a woman of great faith. She turned mm-hmm. her life around. Yes, And she yes. trusted God for her son. And that's why she liked Eva because Eva was able to reach kid where mm-hmm. she couldn't reach her son, taking him to church. So sometimes we can't reach our children, and we need people like Mrs. Valentine, other people, to reach right. our children and speak to them. Because, you know, it gets to a certain point. They don't pay any attention to us anyway. <laughs> I mean, and, they don't. And, 
Yeah, and we probably we were at some some even if we were a good kid, we probably did the same thing with our own parents. After a while, oh, you just get tired of hearing from the same person over and over. So then right. other people come into your life and and they give you the same message in a different way, and then you you can pick it up. I wanted to ask now. You said Sandra is going to get to tell her story eventually, which I'm sure mm-hmm. readers will love. Will Samuel? get a chance to tell his story in one of your future books. No. Oh, really? Yeah, if you read the book, and I don't want to I, I don't want to give too much away. If you read the book to the end, um you'll know why, but no, he won't. And unfortunately because you're not the first person to ask that, um I got a review on Amazon and you know, asking all your listeners who get the book, please, 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 please post a review on Amazon. My publishers look at that and then, as you know, as a fellow author yourself, that helps us further our, right. our contract, um, you know, by those reviews. But no. Um, and unfortunately, it's just the way I wrote the story that I can't reverse it. Um, oh, okay. I, 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 I may be able to do something in the end. And, you know, Denise, as an author, and you can relate to what I'm saying, we write these books and we never know the repercussions of us throwing stuff in there thinking, okay, this person is going to serve me for this, and then people <laughs> people want the character that uh, you threw in there, like Cameron. Cameron was never supposed to have a story. He was just an uh, extra brother. But now I'm writing his story. And so, right. you know, when you put these characters in books, you never know what life they're going to take, you know, mm-hmm. on their own. So mm-hmm. um, that- you never know. I've learned now that, Okay, well, if I put this doctor in here, I may have to write a story. <laughs> so I may have to brush up on my medical terms. If I put a pilot in my book, you know, I may, mm-hmm. you know. So now I'm careful when I put these characters. I realize, okay, how hard is it going to be for me to do research on this character if the readers ask for this character's story? Mm-hmm. Yes, and 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 as you can see, even with the questions I'm asking, and I know you must get a lot of that from your readers, particularly the people who have read every book in the series. They probably want to know more about certain characters. Talking about characters, as we come down to the last 13 minutes of today's show, what process do you use, Pat, to develop your characters? Particularly, I was thinking, reading the book, what process do you use to develop your male characters, being that that you're a woman? So what, what what do you... do you do you talk to men who are in similar situations that your characters are going to be in, and ask them how they'd handle those situations? How do you develop your characters in general, and then also how do you develop your male characters? Well, I develop my characters by watching people. Um, I watch um, how they laugh, how they walk, uh, maybe the cologne, how they wear their hair, their confidence. I, uh, I always tell people, make me mad and see if I don't put you in one of my books. But, um, <laughs> you know, but that's one thing you can do as an author. But I, I observe people. I, I watch um, their, their personality, their kindness, their meanness. Uh, and then you weave all that into a character. Um, and then with the male characters, sometimes it is a challenge. And I just watch people and I say, you know, that person was really kind or that person could have handled that differently. And because with the the new book that's out, I'm dealing with the angry male syndrome, hey, I, there's so many perfect examples. You know, it's not just the young men that are walking around with their pants hanging. Those are intelligent people, and they're just trying to be part of a fad. It's not mm-hmm. these people with all the tattoos and stuff like that. Everyone has good qualities. So, right. I, look, I watch people. I listen to stories. I, I hear the anguish, and that helps me to write a character that people can identify with. And, and, and as you know, Denise, it's a challenge to write a multi-dimensional you know, character. Mm-hmm. And that's what I strive to be. That character can't have be flawless. You know, e- e- even though Eva was already saved, she was already a Christian, but Christians, we have things that tear us apart. We have trials that we don't have. We have things that we have to repent. And in Eva's case, it was a judgment call. And I couldn't make her perfect because characters don't like perfect people. Mm-hmm. You know, I live for Because Christ. they know they're not real. They know they're not real. They're, they're yep. not real. 
and mm-hmm. and and if a person is perfect, and there are characters that are perfect per se, but they weren't always perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, a person becomes quote unquote perfect because they've gone through something, and people mm-hmm. don't see what they've gone through. Right. And so the book that I'm writing now, um, my character is waiting on God. And, and it's Cameron's story. And Cameron's like, well, why are you waiting on God? When God gave you sense, you could do it yourself. And mm-hmm. so in that story, I'm doing worldly wisdom versus God's wisdom. You know, you have mm-hmm. people that are so highly intelligent that, you know, to even worship God is beneath them. So what I just try to do is I just try to look at situations. Um, my background is news. I went to school for broadcast. I worked in television for 10 years in radio. So well, that explains how you know how to dig. You know how to dig. Yeah, That's where you get Yeah, I'm news-driven. I'm issue-driven. I'm subject-driven. So when I write a book, I try to give people a story, not just a boy meets girl. I try to deal with issues. Um and so that's why in my books you will find something like my first book was about abortion. The second book was about a man who lost his hearing. So he's living in the deaf community. He's living between the hearing and the deaf community. In Crown and Glory, which is one of my favorites, I'm dealing with a woman who got saved through a prison ministry. Um, after I did my research and found out that women are the fastest growing prison population, I did mm-hmm. not know that. And so my heart bled for the women that come out and as Christians on Monday, because, you know, everyone's Christians on Sunday when we go to church. Yeah, yeah. But as yeah. Christians on Monday, when we see our, our homeless sister that needs a hot meal or needs clothes on their back, you know, can we look beyond what they did and, and minister to them? And when I was writing that book, I'm like, Lord, if the readers don't get it, help me to get it. Help me to not judge someone when I see them and, you know, if they ask me for $5, you know, to mm-hmm. give them $5 if they need a job. You know, and it's... And it's it's hard to be like Christ. It really is. And so those are the type of things that I put in my book is to is to show people that have issues and how we overcome it. And I get a lot of emails from people that don't read Christian fiction per se. You know, they don't go mm-hmm. out to read Christian fiction, but they pick up one of my books and they say, okay, let me get my Bible because... I know I'm going to read a Pat Simmons book, and I know she's going to give me a secret that's going to apply to my situation. But, you know, it's God. When I start off writing a book, I have no idea what I'm what I'm doing. Right. I, honestly, yeah. Yeah. And I always pray. I say, God, do I have the message that you want me to have in that book? And if not, mm-hmm. I have to go back and tweak that because when you write Christian fiction, it's never about you. It's what right. God wants you to tell the readers. You mm-hmm. know, and God is not. It's not, you know, he said he didn't come to save those that were sick. I mean, those that were, quote, unquote, saved. He came to save the lost and the sinners. Right. And so those right. are the ones he ministers to in the book. Right, right. What what has reader reaction been like so far for Guilty by Association? What have readers been telling you about this specific book so far? I have 11 reviews so far. And um, everyone loves Kid. Um, you mentioned his father, um, Monique, out of Oklahoma City. She was pulling for him to connect with his father. They mm-hmm. they pull for you know God is for the underdog, so they pull. Mm-hmm. They were rooting for him. Of course, they like Park and they like those strong, dominant men. Um, but they love Kid because they love the transformation. We root from the bad person that, that, you know, becomes productive in society, from the person that, I don't remember the story, but it was this male who had tattoos all over his body. I mean, face all over his body. And in on the Yahoo.com, it showed his transformation, how he had those painfully removed because mm. he was no longer that person. And mm. I cheered for him, good for him. You know, we talk about love, but love is loving is trying to is watching people overcome those bad habits and seeing someone goes from rags to riches. When I see God bless people, I'm like, I ain't mad at you because that same God that bless you, yep, He got yes. one for me too. 
You know, yes. so you know, with Valentine's Day and love, it's not just love of the boy, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend and the husband and wife, but wanting to see other people be happy. And yes. so that's you know why I always say I have a Cinderella story because I like a happy ending. I always like to see my characters happy. When they're happy, I get to sleep at night. And you know what? I think readers appreciate that. And I want to say particularly readers of romance novels, uh, but even other books, readers like to see that despite all the struggle and the challenge that it it worked out, if the person put in the effort or the character, that it worked out. It worked out for the good in the end. Where mm-hmm. where can, because we're only coming down about our last five minutes, where can our off-the-shelf listeners get copies of your books, online and offline? And please let us know which ones are in print and e-books, as well as in okay. e-book format. Uh, Guilty by Association is available in all the bookstores, Walmart, Barnes & Nobles, uh, Books A Million. I'm assuming independent bookstores is available online at Amazon, uh, barnesandnoble.com, booksmillion.com. All my my books that are in print, you can get them at the bookstore if for some reason they ran out. Um, The first book in the Guilty series, Guilty of Love, is on e-book. Talk to Me is on e-book. I just put Love at Work on e-book on Tuesday, and it's part of Making Love Work series. So I have her dress. On ebook, I have um, Love at Work on ebook. I have a testimony if I should die before I wake because one morning my husband could not wake me, but here I am. Um, that's wow. on ebook. I know God is good. Um, yes. That's on ebook. And so all my books are on ebook except three, and unfortunately my agent and I are trying to work that out with the publisher. Okay. But there will be some more ebooks coming out this year. But right now, I am trying to finish up the rough draft on Free From Guilt, and I'm being prayerful to make sure that it's what it's, um, I guess you can say, Jesus' stamp of approval quality. Um, okay. So that I can give the romance, give the love story, give the message, encourage people. And last night, I wrote the epilogue, which is really strange because I have like three or four chapters that I need to write in between it, but the epilogue was just flowing. And when people... Wow. When people read my book, I want them to close the cover and say, oh, that was so good. And so I just felt like the epilogue last night, when I wrote that last line, I'm like, that was so good. You know, so I I was still in the epilogue, so I wrote it, but I, you know, I have some genealogy, two genealogy chapters I have to put in there, and so that's just a little bit more detailed, and I'm a scene writer, which means I would love to write 15 to 20 pages a day, but I'd rather write a good scene. And so that makes me a little bit more systematic, mm-hmm. uh, but I think a reader would appreciate a five-page well-written scene versus 15 pages, and it's not real good. So I try to intensify my scenes, and actually that could take me all day And when Mm -hmm. I'm finished with the scene, I'm drained because I'm actually there. And so I'm drained. I'm drained. Mm So um, it's like thick books, too, which doesn't help. Um, (laughs) But uh, I I try to write a good book. And And you do. You do, Pat. I got to tell you. You do. Just 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 somebody any of off the shelf listeners, just a few pages, even not even maybe a few paragraphs, and you'll see her talent and her skill. It's it's obvious. And you've also you've you've obviously been writing not novels for several years because to get to that level it takes you know, it as with anything, the more you do it the better you get at it. And you can see right away you're a skilled, experienced uh a writer. Before we before we go, can you let our listeners know if you're on any social networks? Where can they keep in touch with you while they're online? Well, I am on Twitter. My publisher has set up the Guilty Series on Twitter. If you follow me on Twitter under the Guilty Series, you could win a um, six-month free subscription to Ancestry.com. Okay. And I'm like, okay. I, don't that. I don't even have a free subscription. <laughs> I have to go to the library. So I am on Twitter under uh, follow me on the Guilty Series at Twitter, and I'm also under Twitter under Pat Simmons. I am on Facebook under Pat mm-hmm. Simmons Author, and I also have the Guilty Series Fan Club. 
I have guilty captains, so if anyone wants to be a guilty captain, which is basically tooting uh, the horn about the guilty books, they get free gifts. And they can go okay. to my website and sign up under, uh, let me see, I think it's Christian Romance Fiction at yahoogroups.com. That's mine. And so they, they're they privy to gifts and uh, excerpts and stuff other people aren't. My website, patsimmons.net, which you already gave. I'm on Shout Life. I'm on Shafari. I'm on everywhere. I sometimes okay. I even Google myself to see, <laughs> see where I am, but I'm on, I'm on everywhere. I always tell people it's kind of hard to lose me. Okay, so Pat Simmons, he's on Twitter and Facebook. And, again, her website is pat, P-A-T-S-I-M-M-O-N-S.net, www.patsimmons.net. Go check her out. And you can check her out on Twitter and follow her on Twitter. And join the, uh, the, the her book her book club where you can win prizes and, 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 um, and gifts. And that's something that is new. I was the first author I've heard that is doing that. So kudos to you. That's innovative. I want to thank you, Pat, for being here with us today on Off the Shelf and for our listeners and the folks who dropped in the chat room. Thank you so much for being here with us today uh, on this February 11th before Valentine's Day on Off the Shelf. And remember, as I always tell you, please come back next Saturday at 11 o'clock at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time when we'll bring you another fabulous guest another wonderful mover and shaker in the book and industry in the literary world. Remember, you're so valued and so truly blessed. And go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. Pat, thank you, thank you. And I hope your daughter does wonderful at the bowling tournament. And and, and I so enjoy Guilty by Association. Send you so many well wishes and blessings. And I'll shoot you an email when, when the show finishes streaming. And to all of you guys, again, remember, you're so incredibly blessed. Go and create a fabulous day for yourself, and bye for now. See you next Saturday at 11 o'clock. Thanks, Denise. Hello?